Preface Once upon a time, staying married was simply what everyone did. It took no more energy or determination than it does to avoid drowning while sitting in a boat carried along by a lazy river. You just had to stay put, careful not to rock back and forth, and the current would do the rest. The destination was perhaps not marital bliss, but it wasn't marital catastrophe either. Over the last half-century, this lazy option has vanished. Nearly a decade ago, in her book The Abolition of Marriage, Maggie Gallagher concluded that marriage was over as a legal institution. From a formal, legal standpoint, marriage is no longer an enforceable commitment. The legal, social, and economic supports that sustained marriage over centuries have been dispatched with astonishing speed, and marriage has been reconceived as a purely private act, not a social institution. Thanks to no-fault divorce and the attitudes, norms, and policies that support it, getting married now more closely resembles taking a concubine than taking a wife. The various ferments that cluster under the umbrella of the 60s, feminism, the sexual revolution, changes in divorce laws, are usually blamed for the demise of marriage, but these are only the most overt and visible and recent enemies of marriage. The more serious threats are those that go unnoticed, either because they have so thoroughly triumphed in the erotic imagination, as to become invisible as the air, or because they have been around long enough to attain a kind of venerability. Edifices of great antiquity can certainly topple quickly, but only when they have been rotting for a long time. Here I will mention only two of the many deeper and longer-term factors that have conspired to soften the foundations of marriage and modernity. The first is what Zygmunt Bauman has described as the liquidity of life in late modernity. In our consumption-obsessed society, everything has become a commodity, that is, a good used up in the using of it. A china tea set is not a commodity. A styrofoam cup is. Goods are commodified when they are purchased with an implicit use-by date. In part, this universal disposability is driven by technology and the marketing that accompanies it. Your kids want the newest Xbox when it comes out because there will be games that cannot be played on the old console. In other sectors, the speed of change has more serious consequences. No matter how secure his position may seem, the computer programmer who fails to keep up will suffer more than shame. He'll be out of a job. In late modernity, the chameleon flourishes, and the market favors the protein being that is capable of a self-makeover at a moment's notice. Social relations tend to get caught up in the drive toward commodification. As Bauman says, the modern world privileges those who can travel light, and therefore, if changed circumstances require a fast move and starting anew from scratch, long-term commitments and any ties difficult to untie may prove to be a cumbersome burden, ballast that needs to be thrown overboard. The sexual lives of high school and college students suggest that social connections have been thrown into hyperdrive. Going steady and even dating are becoming outdated, replaced by shifting alliances that last a night or a weekend. All the pathologies of contemporary marriage, high divorce rates, serial polygamy, the trophy wife, are perfectly consistent with the way we live, with the one overarching imperative to keep up. The current has quickened, and there are ample opportunities to skip from boat to boat. If you go with the cultural current, this is where it takes you. 
To stay married, by contrast, is to stand against much that the contemporary world holds dear. When the world rules, persistence in a permanent commitment is an act of the most profound subversion. The second cultural force that has undermined traditional marriage is the romantic conception of love, which is largely the product of the late 18th and early 19th centuries. Distortions are more difficult to identify here. Erotic passion did not spring into existence two centuries ago, and passion has always been a recognized enemy of obligation, especially marital obligation. The romantic conceptions of love, furthermore, owe a significant debt to the semi-Christianized notions of the medieval courtly love tradition. Without the confession that God is love, and that God saved the world out of love, what Robert Polhemus has called erotic faith would never have taken cultural hold. Yet, the erotic faith of romantic love is a threat to Christian love and marriage, since it represents a substitute for Christian faith.